0: You'll <laughs> be Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris at Call Me Chouse, welcoming you back to another episode. Week 12 is upon us. We are already underway. Thanksgiving has just passed. Hope everybody had a good holiday off with the family, enjoyed their time, enjoyed their turkey. It was great. We did have some football on the horizon, on the docket. We did get one game canceled due to COVID, unfortunately. And that's a, that's a strong topic right now because COVID is taking over the NFL at the moment. We have players galore getting popped up on positive tests. The Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers game was supposed to be played on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. And that game was canceled due to COVID outbreak in the Ravens facility, including Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Ingram, to name a few. Um, this is a big deal. I mean... They essentially move the game to um, Monday, but now I saw that it, w- or they were hoping to move it to Monday, but now I've seen that they're moving it to Tuesday in hopes that the tests will start to to fade away and fade off so that they can play the game on Tuesday. But that also means I believe that the Cowboys-Ravens game on the following Thursday will get postponed to the following Monday. So again, the, the schedule is going to be all over the place based on COVID positive testing. And this is another, another thing for it. I mean, uh, uh, we seen also Adam Thielen is tested positive likely out this week. Uh, uh, like I said, a slew of players being positive. I saw the Rams had a positive test, had to close their facility as well. So, I mean, this is uh, a, a little bit concerning in my eyes, as we are getting to the latter stages of the season. I mean, we are in quarter four of the NFL season. We're almost at the finish line. I mean, a mere, what five weeks left in the regular season, then the postseason. We got to get through this thing, guys. We really do. We're almost there. It's been wonderful so far. The NFL has done a great job in managing the COVID protocols when when players and staff uh, do get a positive test. So let's hope for the best. I mean, let's hope that no other massive cases pop up, no other outbreaks come. But, I mean, this is a big one. So even if... The Ravens do play, I mean, I'll get into that game, but even if they do play on the Tuesday, Lamar, they will be without Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Ingram as far as I know at this point. So, I mean, it's likely that they will be missing in action for this contest coming up. So, let's dive into Thursday Thanksgiving football. We had two games on the docket. First one, the early contest was the Houston Texans taking travel to Detroit to face the Lions. Excuse me. I, I I like this game from the perspective of fantasy football more than than viewing pleasure. I mean, the Detroit Lions haven't been anything spectacular so far this season. They have had many ups and downs, lots of injuries, and and DeAndre Swift was a late addition to the injury report. He still is dealing with that concussion. It looked like he suffered in uh, uh, practice uh, the week prior. So I mean, he was a late scratch in that regard. Uh, Matthew Stafford continuing to play injured with that thumb he didn't look great but he didn't look bad i mean it's just like the entire dynamic of the detroit lions club is not good and and you could tell it i mean the ownership group was sitting in their booth and and you could tell they they physically physically looked ill uh, the ownership had hands on their heads, hands on their faces, knowing that something is drastically needing to be changed. And and it's it, it was a tough game for them. They are now four and seven. The Texans win this game. They go up to four and seven. Final score was 41-25. And I mean, this is kind of what I wanted to see from Deshaun Watson. There was a little bit of trickery. Um, we saw the the flea flicker type of plays, uh, big one late in the game to Will Fuller to ice the game altogether, but Deshaun played very well. He was 17-25, three. 318, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He has thrown 15 touchdowns over the last, I believe, six contests and no interceptions, which is a great positive for his growth, And uh, considering the team that he plays on with without a running game, with an offensive line that is subpar, that isn't up to par. So, I mean, uh, it was a very good game. This was a get-right game for them, uh, absolutely. Will Fuller was your big-day player. He went six for 171 and two touchdowns. He did wonders for the fantasy community, including myself, who is a Will Fuller owner in many leagues. Duke Johnson had a very good day as well I was humming and hawing about him Um, I I didn't you can't really expect much on the ground which is what we didn't see. He had nine carries for 37 yards but he did make his money in the past game where he got three receptions 43 yards and didn't find uh, the end zone for Pater. So I mean they played extremely well but you can tell from the Detroit side that that this season is a loss. It, it, it's over. I mean Kenny Galladay hasn't played for majority of it and I mean that's paining me uh, deeply because I had uh, Kenny uh, ready to be a breakout elite wide receiver this season and that now he started off with a hamstring, now he's got the hip issue, and, and he's on a contract here. So, I mean, this is very interesting an interesting dynamic as we're going to see as we move on to the offseason. Will the Lions uh, pay Kenny Galladay big money, or will they let him walk based on how this season has gone? Um, can you chalk it up to injury, uh, bad luck? I mean, that's kind of where I'm at because he is a top dog in this league. He will show it once he's healthy and on the field. But again, what do you do with Matt Stafford? Is Matt Stafford the guy you want to entrust moving forward? He hasn't been bad in his career in Detroit. I mean, we saw it with the Calvin Johnson days. He's not a bad quarterback. It's the surrounding pieces that continues to be the problem here. I mean, you need offensive line for days. And what do they do? They draft tight ends. They draft running backs. They draft everything but the offensive line. I don't get it. And and I mean, this is offseason talk for sure, but I mean, uh, it, 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 it it's a massive concern in my mind. Um, if if I'm the ownership group definitely you got to look at the head coaching staff and Matt Patricia and company and and you might have to redo it once again I mean he's had his time I'm of the opinion a lot of people don't want to give head coaches more than one or two years that's not enough time I mean Patricia's been in here now three years I believe it, this is it this is the staple three years to me for a head coach unless it was just drastically uh, terrible um, one and done can happen we've seen it happen and I mean it's justified when it's that bad but after three years, I think it's time you got to say that the, the, the writing's on the wall and you got to move on. So good game for the Texans. I mean, they keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Detroit, on the other hand, is trending in the wrong direction. Don't like it whatsoever. Next game we had on Thursday was the Washington football team taking travel to the Cowboys to Dallas to face the Cowboys, I should say. I don't know. I The Dallas Cowboys were favored by three points in this contest before it began. I took it. And I took it because... I really believe that they would have played with a lot more enthusiasm than what they did. Coming off that big win in Minnesota last week was a huge marker to say that perhaps they start we're, we're, we're going to start to turn the corner um, in respect to what they have on the field. They still have the receiving core. We know this. It's Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. And I mean, okay, it's Andy Dalton, and I understand but this game, it was going okay. I mean, it wasn't great. But then the Dallas Cowboys lost two offensive linemen. Zeke Elliott fumbled the ball yet again. His season has been terrible unbelievable how bad he's played this season when it comes to controlling the ball he hasn't been able to I believe he only has one 100 yard game this season I mean that's not going to cut it you're getting paid top dog money and you need to be producing especially just holding on the ball and not giving it to the other team to cripple your squad Washington defeated the Cowboys in this game if you didn't if you missed it 41 to 16 I mean the score isn't indicative of how the entire game went the fourth the fourth quarter basically just got out of hand it was a, a, a touchdown and and it was a uh, interception return for a touchdown and then again another touchdown by gibson so that's kind of what inflated the score but i mean if you look at the whole dynamic of the game it wasn't really that close dallas did have an opportunity what killed him was that fake punt um, that's what led to one of the scores i believe in the fourth quarter so Ah, There was a lot to not like about the Cowboys game coaching staff again is the biggest problem. Mike McCarthy continuing to show he has not improved. Um, He came in uh, in the interview. I saw many clips when he met with Jerry Jones saying he has altered his approach. He's more analytical. He's he's uh, evolving to be like the youthful offensive genius masterminds in the league, and it's just not transpiring on the field whatsoever. At this point, the Dallas Cowboys were better with Jason Garrett than they are with Mike McCarthy, and that's that's saying a lot. Um, when it comes to statistically, let's, let's dive into this uh, Washington football team. Alex Smith is not going to give you the 300 yards a game. I mean, this is Alex Smith. Outside of Kansas City with Andy Reid, he is not going to put you up the gaudy numbers that most of us would want to see on this roster, but he was still, he was good. He was nineteen twenty six 141. He did have the the passing touchdown, but he did have that one interception, which allowed Dallas to come back in the game. Terry McLaurin comes back with a DK Metcalf chase down on the interception on Jalen Smith, which pretty much saved the game and and, and altered the momentum because if Jalen Smith got in that end zone, it was a tie ball game, I believe, and, and it would have been a different story at that point, um, but it didn't happen. Antonio Gibson was the guy, man. Finally, you know, I've been waiting for a game like this. I mean, for me, I've always been supportive of Antonio Gibson, but I I, I wasn't as uh encouraging and giving my endorsement to what this kid could be he really had showed me a lot but this game showed me that he is ready to be the full-time three down back on this team and he, he he's legit i mean he can catch he can run he has power he's a former wide receiver conversion I mean, I like everything about his game, everything about his game. Does he have that massive burst uh, uh, when he gets the ball right off the uh, flat feet? No, Um, that's still the one thing I want to see improvement on. But once he's going, he's going. He has wheels. He's good to go. He had a big day, 20 rushes, 115, and he found the end zone a whopping three Times. Count him three times. He had a massive day fantasy football wise. Everyone I know who has him was smiling ear to ear. Terry McLaurin, again, he is quarterback proof. Just imagine what you can do with Terry McLaurin if you give him a quarterback. He goes seven for 91. The only thing devaluing his fantasy football value at this point is touchdowns. If Terry can find a way to start getting in the end zone, but that's also quarterback determined, right? So uh, uh, Alex Smith is not going to be the guy who's going to throw you the ball over the top, um, five, six times a game. It's just not going to happen anymore. He's not at that point of his career. He's a game manager, captain check down, all the guys underneath are going to get a lot of work. Logan Thomas also saw a lot of work. He found himself in the end zone as well. So the the dynamics of this team and the Washington football team now with this victory do leapfrog everyone and become the leaders in the NFC East, which again, isn't saying a lot, but I mean, this division's up for grabs and and division leader is going to go to the playoffs uh, with a losing record at this point. But uh, the Washington football team they have a good team they have a good base uh, of young talent that if they continue to build in the right direction under coach Ron Rivera I mean you could you could see this club be the league uh, the division leader I should say uh, for, for quite a few years. I mean, it's, it's not out of the question, especially if the Dallas Cowboys don't re-sign Dak Prescott to a big deal that he wants and Dak goes somewhere else. I mean, we could see the Washington football team be a very dominating force on this club. I mean, outside of that, Amari Cooper had a decent day. Um, he found the end zone. And and I mean, again, we talked about Zeke and his unfortunate fumble, which cost his team the game uh, a great deal. So it was good. I mean, I what it really did miss the 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 night game, the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving. It would have been a glorious finish to the to the day. But I mean, it felt like something was missing. Thanks a lot, COVID. Um, really sucks. You're taking the life out of uh, out of all of us, and and you ruined the the evening. But I mean, at least we had two games. We can't complain about that. But nevertheless, let's jump into Sunday. We got a slew of games on the slate. It's going to be a good, uh, good Sunday. I have a feeling lots of good games on the horizon. And we'll kick it off with the Las Vegas Raiders taking travel to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Again, here we go with the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, they ruined me again on the spread last week. I can't, I struggled deeply, deeply to pick this team correctly on the spread and it's because of how they come out week to week. Again, this is this has been a very weird year, and we know this. Normally, the teams that come off the bye week will be amped up. They have rest. They have a good game plan, and Atlanta fell flat on their face against Taysom Hill and company. I was shocked. I couldn't believe the lack of effort, the lack of execution that I witnessed from the Atlanta Falcons. Granted, they did lose uh, Julio Jones mid game due to that hamstring injury, but it was just unacceptable what I was seeing. Poor choices, bad mistakes, um, bad scheming and play calling. Like it was just a it, it was a gong show overall for the for the Falcons this week. They get the Raiders. They're at home. Raiders are favored by three points, and this is an exciting game for me for the Raiders. Okay, I'll start with the Raiders before I jump to to the Atlanta Falcons. The Raiders are showing that they can keep up with teams like the the Kansas City Chiefs. They are six and four at the moment. They are second in the AFC West. They are in wild card contention, even with the Chiefs leading the division. They look good against the Chiefs, and like I said in previous shows, they are built correctly to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's how they're built at this moment. Mike Mayock and company built this club to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. That's why they look like they can compete every time they play them. When it comes to other teams, how they match up, it has to be a consistent scheme on the offensive side because we know the defense is growing. They're youthful. They're going to make mistakes. I mean, that I'm going to give them still a pass on because they still need a lot more talent and they're growing. But on the offensive side, Derek Carr is a veteran. I mean, he's been here before. He's had good seasons. He's thrown 32 touchdowns in this league, almost a 4,000-yard passer multiple times. Derek Carr is a decent quarterback. He can get this team moving in the right direction, but they need the run game. Josh Jacobs really needs to take a hand on this game. I think he'll have a very strong day. He improved his yards per carry to 3.79, but again, that's a little low for me. I'm wanting that average to be at 4.2, and I want to see him utilized in the pass game. We were promised this in the offseason coach John Gruden had mentioned you know we we aren't really planning to use Jalen Richard that much anymore we're gonna lean on on Josh Jacobs a lot in the past game and it's not that he can't catch he, he we've seen him have the ability to catch passes out of the backfield but we just haven't seen it come to fruition just yet I'm really dying to see that expansion in this in this pass game for the Raiders regardless on if they're they're implementing more screenplays or if they're actually letting him do crosses over the middle coming out of the backfield, I will love every ounce of it because I think that'll give a new dynamic to this Raiders offense that teams haven't accounted for just yet, and it'll give them a leg up as they move into the postseason. I truly do, if they make it to the postseason, I should say. But, I mean, I I, I don't hate this team. They found something in Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar has been this up and down presence, even coming back from Philadelphia. But now he's got, he has a good game, then a poor game. Good game, poor game. And that's kind of what we're seeing. So it's almost like they're scheming week to week on who they're going to uh, uh, feed and attack on the offensive side through the year. I think that. When you have a guy like Henry Ruggs, and again, I, I said this on previous shows, but it's it's worth noting again, when you have a guy like Henry Ruggs and you continue to not use him, I'm very, very confused. So I've, I've gone back and looked at some tape, and it's not so much the point of saying that Ruggs doesn't have a, a comfortable feeling of the NFL game at this point, because he does. He, he's clearly running the right routes. It's just what routes they're making him run. Um, that's how I see it. So if there if there's improvement in that aspect, I think you get Henry Ruggs a lot more involved. Why aren't you kicking him in the slot then? You know, make him run those slants, give him the opportunity to get the ball in his hand. Then the Raiders will be that much more explosive. But I mean, going up against an Atlanta Falcons defense who laid a, a complete egg last week, even though they have been playing a lot better uh, since Raheem Morris took over as the interim head coach. They're going to struggle in this game, even at home. They're, they're going to have a very tough time because the Raiders, at least they're on a consistent trend of, of moving the ball. They're not explosive just yet, but they're just consistently moving this ball with chunk yards and opportunity. I think uh, I think it's going to be a very good show. Three points. I'm totally comfortable taking that. I am taking that for sure. Uh, as for the Falcons, Todd Gurley, he was named inactive now He with his knee. They're not playing him. Julio Jones is a question mark to play with that injury hamstring I'd be shocked if Julio Jones uh, suits up for this game outside of being a decoy just being on the field and and taking coverage to one side I don't see him having a big day whatsoever if he does suit up but I'd be shocked if he does play so barring that I mean Zacchaeus uh, Calvin Ridley and and Russell gage are gonna have to step up in this game Brian Hill is a big pickup I mean if you didn't hear that and you hear it on this on this cast go out onto your waiver and go pick up Brian Hill immediately because he will get some volume Volume if you are short at the running back position, I'm still taking the Raiders. I think they win this game and they cover the spread. Next game I have is the LA chargers taking travel to Buffalo going West East to face the Buffalo bills. Bills coming off the bye week my bills bills, mafia in the house. This is a big one for Buffalo. And I know I say it, a lot of these games are big, but this is truly a big one. They're seven and three. They want to have a little bit more breathing room Uh, from the Dolphins who are now six and four you need to win this game coming off the bye showing that you are ready to go for the remainder of the season that you are planning to contend in the postseason I want to see it I don't want to see a letdown whatsoever not at all Bad news. We did see Cody Cody Ford, he uh, the guard. He is out for the remainder of the season. That's a massive blow to this offensive line. So they're going to have to get creative in their in their in the way that they play offense. I want to see more screen games from the Buffalo Bills. Utilize Devin Singletary. Utilize Zach Moss. They both can catch. They're both very talented running backs. They're uh, able to be schemed into the pass game, no matter which one you have in the backfield. I love it. Big bad news also is John Brown. He will not play in this contest, and that worries me more than anything. We had seen when John Brown earlier this season was out with an injury as well, how, I don't want to say pedestrian, but we saw them take a step back offensively big time without John Brown. And there's, and there's reason to that. It's valid. John Brown is your field stretcher. He's always going to uh, have the safety account for him. That means you have no stacked boxes. That means Stefan Diggs doesn't see double coverage. This is what that means. Without John Brown, you have to have another guy like Gabriel Davis. He needs to step up, and this is his time. If he wants to prove to everybody that he was overlooked in the NFL draft, this is the time. He needs to be that field stretcher. He needs to be that red zone target. And, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it already. Uh, Josh Allen has formed some level of chemistry with him. But, I mean, when you have digs and you have beasley doing the the short and the the middle intermediate routes you need a deep threat otherwise the defense is going to sit on it all day long and josh allen is going to struggle to find his open man um but i but i like the bills in this one i really do i uh four and a half points uh right now i think i caught the spread at five and a half for the bills um so i got a point uh point less i'm taking the under simply because the Chargers' Justin Herbert is is legit. He's the real deal. Every single week now, we see him coming out. He's making plays. Um, the, the potential for Austin Eckler to get back into this lineup is very real. That would be a massive step up for this offense even more. Uh, Keenan Allen, he should likely uh, uh, get Trey White in this game with potential help. So, I mean, Mike Williams is your guy. He could be a big day player this week simply because the Bills will – don't really have that secondary option in the defensive backfield to shut him down. So Justin Herbert, I, I I don't see him. I mean, he's had fantastic numbers. He currently is the rookie of the year in my opinion. Twenty almost twenty seven hundred yards passing, twenty two touchdowns, and only six interceptions with a rating of one hundred four point seven for a rookie passer who wasn't even named the starter at the start of the season. In- incredible. Where the Bills actually do get the leg up is going up against this Charger defense, which has been very bad. They will have no Melvin Ingram. I heard Casey Hayward is also out. So for for for, for everything that we see, Josh Allen should have a field day in the pass game. If he decides to take off, he should have a field day as well. Um, the Bills could definitely cover this spread. The only reason why I'm I'm playing it safe on this one is because of Herbert and his ability to spread the field and and get touchdowns. So it's going to be a good game. I, I still think the Bills win this, uh, even if they don't cover the spread. Next game we have is the New York Giants going to Cincinnati to face the Joe burrow Cincinnati Bengals. It's unfortunate. We lost Joe Burrow. Knee injury, massive knee injury. It looks like he will even be um, coming in on the pup uh, uh, after the season he, to start next season. I should say, um, uh, th- it was just catastrophic his knee injury. Um, and, and even on the replay, you saw the when the way his knee hyperextended and it went back. You saw it pop in and out his kneecap. It was it was quite gruesome. Um, hopefully, he will get back to full strength with a good off season program. But there's no way in my mind he starts week one next year, just based on time frame. But I mean, nevertheless, we have to move on with evaluation. And the Bengals will be starting Brandon uh, Allen at quarterback uh this Sunday against the Giants. This we've seen Brandon Allen before. He played with the the Detroit or excuse me, the Denver Broncos last season. He wasn't terrible. Um, he's definitely serviceable, but what does this do to this offense overall, especially for the fantasy community? Um, are you worried a little bit about this offense now? Because I am. I definitely am. This this drops the value of T. Higgins because we don't know what we're going to get. This drops the value of Tyler Boyd because we don't know what we're going to get. Uh, Joe Mixon, he's been placed on the injured reserve. The offensive line is in shambles. I really question what we're going to see. The only thing that I can imagine is is garbage time points uh, on a weekly basis now and, and the potential for um, – throwing the ball a whole heck of a lot more. That's all I see. I mean, you have no other choice if you're going to try to compete with other teams. And, and I mean, granted, the Giants aren't the best team in the NFL, there they are favored. The Giants are by six points in this contest. I'm taking six points. How can I take six points? You may ask. This defense, this defense has played very well this season. Very underrated. D. Uh, they when they picked up um, uh, Bradbury and they picked up Martinez. That were those were huge signings overall for this defense to come together. Okay. Now you added uh, you added that other uh, defensive back who he formerly played for the Titans. His name evades me right now, but I mean. They have a defense that you can build around. As long as Daniel Jones takes care of that football and proves that he is not going to be this turnover machine, the Giants should easily win this game by a touchdown. They have far too many weapons offensively, especially in the receiving core, who can get the job done. Wayne Gallman has impressed me so much this season, um, especially over the last uh, four or five weeks. Um, He's done very well. Very well. His game is improving. He looks like the Clemson player of old, and and I mean, I just don't see much of a contest out of this at all. I think Darius Slayton has a very big day. I think Josh Allen, he's, pro- he's likely going to uh, turn the ball over at least once in this game but they're going to have more than enough against uh, Brandon Allen and company to, to get the job done um, the only question mark with any young quarter or any quarterback change is the lack of tape uh, that the defense will have at their disposal to scheme up anything against it um, that is that is the toughest thing for a defense to go against they only have tape from his days with the Broncos to see what his tendencies are but outside of that I mean scheme based it's going to be very difficult so the first quarter could be uh, a very good Bengals showing and depending on how the Giants adjust that's when we'll see the game kind of teeter-totter and and fall into the Giants favor but I I like Gallman this week I like uh even even Daniel Jones I don't hate to start this week I mean cautionary obviously because of the turnovers but Darius Slayton I think has a mammoth day mammoth Big contest next on the board is the Tennessee Titans going to Indianapolis to face the Colts and Phillip Rivers coming off that massive win uh, against the Green Bay Packers in overtime. What a game that was. I was shocked. You know, I mean, granted, the turnovers allowed the Packers to lose that game, but you got to create those. And that is Indianapolis's game on defense. They are ballers, man. They look so good. Um, overall defensively, and the fact that this is the Phillip Rivers that I knew uh, and believed would be the quarterback when he came over uh, in free agency to, to lead this club behind this offensive line. This is what I fully expected, except I expected it to go more to T.Y. Hilton. Now they have a connection with uh, Michael Pittman, the rookie wide receiver, formerly of USC. He looks fantastic, and he does it again, and they're building something with this. So now you have this trio of running backs, basically the duo. We'll call it uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, sprinkled with a little bit of uh, Jordan Wilkins, but you got this duo of running backs uh, who can who can also catch from the backfield, which Philip Rivers loves. Now you're adding a piece like Michael Pittman to the show. He's doing a wonderful job in the pass game. If his game continues to excel, then you sprinkle in also the tight end mismatches all over the field with Mo'Ally Cox, with Trey Burton, and uh, Jack Doyle. This team is scary, man. It really is. They're so evenly balanced all over the field that it's very difficult for me to pick against them. They are currently favored at three points at home against the Titans who came off their own overtime victory. Um, But the biggest problem that I see in this game, uh, I I took the Titans in this game because uh, DeForest Buckner is not playing due to COVID. This is massive. DeForest Buckner... If, if you see an offense, this is the best way I can say this. If you see an offense that changes because of an offseason acquisition of a quarterback to improve the team, this is what DeForest Buckner has done for this defense. It's the same thing. He has he has catapulted this team to another echelon of, of excellence um, in, in how what he does and helps on this offense or the defensive line, excuse me, Allows everyone else the ability to do what they need to do. Darius Leonard's best friend on this defense is DeForest Buckner. In, in based on play, okay, he allows Leonard. Buckner allows Leonard to do so much on the field. It's absolutely amazing. If you if you watch this game this week, you you will see the difference w- that Buckner brings. He, this 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 run game, this uh, defensive run stopping game it won't be as efficient. The The pressure on the quarterback won't be as efficient. Darius Leonard, no kidding. He can do a lot himself without Buckner. But you need this guy in the middle of this defense to set everything, set the tone. He is like their Aaron Donald. That's, a, that's the best way I can put it. Not, not saying they're equal in, in talent, but he's damn good. The Titans here now with DeForest Buckner should and will ride Derrick Henry in this contest. They have no choice. They got to do it. I mean, the secondary has played very well in in Indianapolis. The the key to this game is the run through Derrick Henry and the play action pass. No kidding about it. I think coming off that overtime victory showed as the game wore on. This we I spoke about it with the displeasure about Derrick Henry last week saying I didn't see a, a takeover of the game like I thought he would have the week prior. And and we saw the following week um, especially in overtime. When we got into the fourth quarter, it was a Derrick Henry show. He was running over guys. He looked good. He was getting chunk yards, 10, 15, 20 yards, and then that big uh, walk-off touchdown he run he made in overtime. I mean, just he wore him down, and this is exactly what I see happening in this contest however you do have Phillip Rivers on the other side who is going to continue to score points he's going to continue to move this offense I re- we did see a glimpse of Jonathan Taylor we did finally um, we'll see if he gets back in the mix if, or if he's going to be shut down once again by this defense they don't have a great run D now that J- Jadavion Clowney is on the shelf with an injury uh, it's a big loss for their run, run defense as much as everyone thinks that Clowney is the sack master his run defense is tops in the NFL his stats show it all When he's on the field, he improves a run defense uh, wholeheartedly, 100%. Uh, Very close game, but I am taking the Titans in this one. I think they match up very well and will do a very good job in this contest. Next game I have is the Cleveland Browns taking travel to Jacksonville. Won't spend a whole heck of a lot of time on this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars now are starting Mike Lennon. The quarterback rotation continues in Jacksonville after Minshew found himself in the medical room. Uh, they have given up on Jake Luton, or Luton, excuse me. I mean, here we go. Here we go. The quarterback carousel is going to happen. We've seen what Mike Glennon is, and, and I, I, I think it's crazy that I'm even speaking Mike Glennon's name in 2020 already. He's not it. He's not it whatsoever. All this does, just like the evaluation I said about Brandon Allen with the Bengals. This is the same thing. It's it's what we saw with Jake Luton. Okay. A new quarterback without film to dissect on that team does give the offense an advantage for the Jaguars. And potentially, it could give them uh, a leg up in the first and potentially the second quarter. And then it all depends on how Cleveland adjusts defensively to make this happen. Or we could just see Mike Glennon throwing interceptions all over the field. And I'm taking the latter, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, Mike Glennon is not the surefire quarterback, even a backup quarterback uh, in this league. Uh, no, no offense on the guy, but I just don't see how he still has an NFL job even as a backup at this point. Um, the Cleveland Browns, um, seven points is is a daunting task but i took it i took it grudgingly 7 points is a is a tough spread to take especially playing on the road but i mean this jacksonville team and the jacksonville team has been playing well defensively i mean they almost beat the the green bay packers they really did they kept them uh, kept them in that game but the way that the browns are built i'm a huge fan of kevin stefanski i think he has done a masterful job with this offense he knows what baker mayfield is and isn't he is giving baker mayfield confidence because he's not forcing him to win the games. He's leaning on his dogs in the backfield on the ground with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt. This is what this offense needed to be, and they're continuing down that path. You lost Odell Beckham, sure, fine, that changed the things, and you don't have the deep shot as, as much anymore. But, I mean, since they got back Nick Chubb, they're right back to where they they began, right back to where they needed to be. I love this offense a lot when it comes to the ground game. I'm a huge backer of Nick Chubb, huge supporter of Kareem Hunt, and I think they're going to go down the same path. They're going to run this team, this defense, to death on Sunday, and, and they're going to cover seven points with ease uh, as long as there's no turnovers. Uh, simple as that. I think they outmatch and outclass Mike Lennon, and they're, we could potentially see Glennon benched by the end of the third quarter And I mean, seven points for the Browns behind the backs of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm sold. I'm taking it, and I'm running fast to the bank. Next contest I have is the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Carolina Panthers now with Teddy Bridgewater. Vikings are favored by three and a half points at the moment. This is a tough one. This was a very difficult contest for me to dissect simply because I'm actually upset with the fact that PJ Walker will not get to play again. I think he looked fabulous last week. I think in his first contest, he allowed this Panther offense to look explosive like we wanted to see. I think this is this is exactly under Matt Rule, the 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 head coach, and 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 Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. This is what they wanted to do. They want to go deep. They want to be explosive. They want to go fast. You know, Christian McCaffrey might be back in this contest as well. He is a question mark. Um, if you see him uh, fantasy football wise, and he is playing, you start him. There is no question. If he's healthy enough, you play him. But Teddy Bridgewater. So the only thing that gets me excited about this contest is that that it is a revenge game. Teddy goes back to Minnesota where it all started. He's going to want to prove something, and and you can never discount that. That is that human factor I have been – Speaking about for so long that you cannot ever evaluate. It's what's in the man's heart. What's he going to do in a revenge game? I'm a sucker for it. I will take it every single time. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to show out in this game. He didn't like what P.J. Walker did from a a personal perspective because now he could be uh, in a quarterback competition once again, which is something that he is not ready to entertain. This is his job in Carolina. He got signed in free agency to that big contract. He wants to prove that he can lead team to the postseason and take them perhaps further than that but I mean right now you have weapons Robbie Anderson has looked absolutely fantastic DJ Moore looks a lot better he did with PJ Walker so I think if he can actually start finding DJ Moore like PJ did if he can continue to support Robbie Anderson they get Christian McCaffrey back I mean this is a very tough offense. I'm not even bringing up Curtis Samuel at this point. It's a tough offense to stop once they start moving on all cylinders. But now you go to you go to Minnesota, who now will be without uh, looks like they'll be without Adam Thielen. He has COVID, or he's on the COVID protocol list. He will not suit up in this contest from what I see. Um, so now you're going to have to lean on Justin Jefferson. You're going to have to lean on uh, Obi Johnson. Potentially Chad Beebe gets into the mix. But they're you know they're going to ride Dalvin Cook. This is going to be the game again. You're going to feed Dalvin, 20-plus carries in this contest to try to spread out the defense. You're going to try to hit the deep shot with uh, Justin Jefferson, and and then we'll see what happens. But when it comes to how the Carolina Panthers have played overall, Kirk Cousins is beatable. We know this. If if you can force his hand to make mistakes, and and that's been the the alteration in his game this season. He's not taking the chances, and I think that limits him. I think that limits this offense. Yes, he turns the ball over. Yes, he throws the interceptions. But we've seen him be very good and very powerful in this league, over 4,000 yards. We've seen it. You know, uh, it, it's it's very clear to me that the Vikings' uh, uh, coaching staff has kind of put the shackles on his game. Told him to take care of the ball a lot more. That way, we have an opportunity to win. Both teams are four and seven. Uh, uh, sorry, the Vikings are four and six. But, I mean, this is a big, big, big game for both teams. If they want to remain in the wildcard hunt, I mean, we know they've added an extra wildcard team this year. So they're definitely not out of it. But it's going to be a very big game. I took the under in this contest simply because of Teddy Bridgewater going back to Minnesota um, to face his former club. um, But we're going to see a very interesting game. I could be wrong. But I'll never shy away from revenge games. I love it. Arizona taking travel to New England to face Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. The spread I saw was uh, the Cardinals favored by two points. Um, That I took and and I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at this spread simply because it's two points. Arizona is coming off the bye. Granted, I understand that they are traveling west east and that's never favorable for any club coming from the west. We know the, the winning record that isn't for teams that come from the west go east but this isn't your typical New England Patriots team. I don't know what the odds makers are doing in this one. If New England is able to pull this out, I will put my foot in my mouth myself because um, I'll be shocked. I I, I can't understand how uh, the odds makers are, are baiting this one to believe that New England has an opportunity to win this game with basically a two-point showing, uh, favoring the Arizona Cardinals. I am I, baffled. Coming off the bye... Or no, sorry, no, they're not coming off the bye. They played the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday. That's what they did. Um, excuse me, I got that wrong. But but still, you're coming off the loss playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Granted, fine, uh, that happens. Your teams lose. But you're going to hold that over the head of Kyler Murray, who has been one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the entire league for the entire season, DeAndre Hopkins on the team? I don't see it. I really don't understand. the The New England Patriots are not the same club. They're going to try to run the ball. They don't have the receiver depth to make it happen against uh, quality defensive backs. I mean, I get it. Uh, Patrick Peterson is not the same type of player he once was. But you're telling me that Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry are gonna are gonna cook Patrick Peterson all over the field? I just don't see it. I think this is a big, big day for Arizona. I think Kyler Murray and company get right back on track. Kenyon Drake is going to have a good day. Um, I, I like everything about Arizona this week, and I'm not really, really looking forward to anything New England side except for James White. I want to see if Bill Belichick goes back to the to the well to where the water was deep, and and we've seen it with James White in the past. I mean, he carried this team in that Super Bowl comeback. Why hasn't he been used? This is my biggest criticism of this New England Patriot offense this entire season. They've been riding Rex Burkhead. Now he's injured. He uh, injured his ACL, went to the injured reserve. Are you going to start feeding James White? I get it. You got Damian Harris. He can be your running back, but he doesn't offer you much in form of the pass game. This is James White time. It's time to resurrect my man James White because he is a PPR freak. Um, he is now viable and legitimately viable fantasy wise to be your flex starter again week to week. Can I endorse it this week? I am too terrified to only because I want to see it in proof before I can endorse it. But I mean, I don't hate it. If, if you're looking at it and you're saying, do I play James White in my flex? I don't hate it whatsoever and would encourage you if you have no other options that this is not a bad play whatsoever. Um, but, but nevertheless, I got a roll with Kyler Murray in this game. I think Deandre Hopkins has, has a very good day, very sound comeback game, uh, potentially Christian Kirk on a deep shot touchdown. We could also see that's they're always in danger of doing that. So I don't know. I, I just don't see why the spread is so low at this point of the season. Moving on, we have the Miami Dolphins taking travel to New York to face the New York Jets. Dolphins are favored by seven points. We heard Salvin Ahmad is not playing in this contest due to that injury. Tua T- uh, Tagovailoa, he is a questionable. Um, he got hurt in practice. I think his uh, throwing hand, I think I saw, hit somebody's helmet. And he has an injured finger, I believe, or a wrist. Um, one of the two. But I mean this is a tough one. I mean, okay, I, I get it. You know, Miami has been playing very well. They coming off a loss to the to the Denver Broncos in the Mile High where Miami did not look sharp. Um, Tua was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's never a good sign. Um but I mean are they going to start coming back down to earth? Or is Miami going to start coming back down to earth? I think it's very possible. I like what Miami is doing. I like what Miami is building overall. But you're going to have these games. I mean, to believe that they were just going to start rolling off victories week in, week out was a little bit uh, suspect to me. I, 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 I'm I buying into what they, they could eventually be, um, but I'm not buying into what they currently are to be a dominating force, even up against the New York Jets. Okay, they do get uh, Sam Darnold back in this game. He starts for the first time in three weeks. They are 0-10. There's nothing to play for in New York anymore but they do have a very healthy wide receiver core. Jamison Crowder is there. We have uh, Brashard Perryman. Mims, the rookie, is there. So with Sam Darnold, let's see. Let's see what they got. I mean, we haven't seen it at all this season with all the weapons on the field at the same time with their starting quarterback. I'm curious. I want to see what happens here. I think this is a very good building game. It's a trap game for the Miami Dolphins. They could... Really lose this game. I would not be shocked if the the New York Jets. The Jets have to win one game. I mean let's let's not kid ourselves. They're not going zero and sixteen. I I it's impossible. I can't see it happening. They're not the Detroit Lions. They cannot go zero and sixteen. I just don't see it. And this is the opportunity. The Dolphins are a little bit injured, a little bit hampered. You know, if you can take advantage of some opportunities, your defense hasn't been playing poorly uh, New York Jet-wise. I mean, it's just your offense didn't help the cause. The offense wasn't moving the ball, and you can not do anything at all. I don't know. I think that there is a a potential possibility. Frank Gore, I mean, he is your running back. This is going to hurt them. They're going to have to pass a lot more. Darnold's going to have to be careful with the ball. So as long as Darnold doesn't turn the ball over, if Tua even plays or doesn't, I mean, if Tua plays, I think Miami wins this game, but it's very hard for me to see that they'll, they're going to cover a full touchdown spread. That's, that's a tough thing to do for any NFL club on any given week, especially with the fact that the Jets are not grossly terrible uh, roster-wise. It's just a way that they execute more often than not that gets them into hot water. I don't know. I I think the upset could definitely be here. I'm not comfortable taking Miami with seven points. You do have some fantasy viability here, um, but I would definitely watch the injury report to see what happens with Tua. It's unfortunate Salvan Ahmad is not going to play because I thought that he was going to be a fantasy darling this week. Next one I have is the New Orleans Saints and Taysom Hill, the revelation at the quarterback position. Six-point favors going into the mile high in Denver. I mean, okay, what did we really expect from Taysom Hill? I didn't expect a lot. And, I mean, I didn't see a whole heck of a lot outside of a perfect game plan by Coach Sean Payton. We know that Taysom Taysom Hill – I always get his name wrong. We know that Taysom Hill is – a very strong running quarterback, like very strong. I've never seen a quarterback built like this before. Um, In my time, my many years of watching football, uh, dissecting football, I've never seen a quarterback who runs uh, as, as hard as Taysom Hill does. His passing did impress me to the point that he is capable, and I can say this now, he is capable to move this offense up and down the field. That I can see. But it has to be played properly, and the, the play calls from the uh, from Sean Payton have to be done properly. We saw Michael Thomas feast. Okay, it was as if Drew Brees was there, as in, in the form of targets. But this was the problem. I mean, it was it was one read and out. It was it was one read and and he was really uh, Tyson Hill. Tyson Hill, I'm talking about. He was really difficult, uh, having a difficult time um, finding any other of his other options. I mean, Alvin Kamara played in this game, and you would think he didn't. It was a, it, he recorded his first NFL game, which is crazy, without a reception. Alvin Kamara did not have a reception last week. For the first time in his NFL career, crazy, Uh, just baffling. So I think that gets a little bit more rectified this week. I really do. I think they involve Alvin a little bit more. I think we saw Latavius Murray a lot more than than usual because they wanted to make the run, um, set up the pass and make Hill a lot more comfortable, which it did. I think we see a very, very similar showing this week as well. But I mean, it'll be very difficult to trust anybody else outside of uh, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara on this offense. As from the Denver side, I mean, I was very critical on Drew Locke the week before, and he played well. He improved his overall game. I, I, I can't really say anything poor about what he did on the field. There still is a lot of growth clearly to be had. Uh, Melvin Gordon, they're going to have to lean on him. He has not been the running back that I would have uh, envisioned um, coming into Denver. I would have expected a lot more from him. Um, They're going to need him big time this week against the Saints uh, defense, who is very strong. I mean, you have Jerry Judy. You have Tim Patrick. It's going to be a very tough day. Even at home, I think it's going to be a very tough day for the Broncos to get any traction, anything done. Like I said, Saints are favored by six points. I'm taking the Saints. I think that their defense is far too good. I think they're going to create massive mismatch and confusion for Drew Locke I think the run game is going to have a very difficult time getting going we may see a a touchdown here or there um, from the Broncos but it's nothing uh, substantial to believe that their defense is going to be able to shut down Taysom Hill and company because that RPO and and the read option pass are going to be there all day long I think it's going to be a Saints win once again next one we have is the San Francisco 49ers the injury rattled San Francisco 49 49 going to la to face the rams rams are favored by a touchdown as well again here we go again i mean what can we talk about the san francisco 49ers without mentioning how uh, uh such a travesty had happened because of all their injuries i mean this this derailed their entire season once again and now you're facing a rams team and i'll and i'll highlight the rams this week because I was impressed. I was impressed from Monday night with what they did against Tom Brady and company with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They typically this season have been known to be a run first team with the trio of backs that they do have. I mean, yes, Acres, Cam Akers, the rookie, did see some time off in the medical room. But now he's back. Now we have the trio. We saw Sean McVay say he was going to utilize all three running backs this season And, I mean, with with Akers out, I mean, Daryl Henderson has taken the lead. And then we see a little bit of the sprinkling of Malcolm Brown because he is that bigger pounder back. He gives a different uh, dynamic to the the run game. But last week we saw Jared Goff look like the the Jared Goff that took this team to the Super Bowl in this high-octane unit. He was lighting up Cooper Cup and Robert Woods all day long, and that's against a Tampa Bay defense who is no slouch. No slouch. I mean, they got players on that defense, and they were just unable to uh, adjust. They were unable to stop them. Uh, I loved everything about how Sean McVay uh, called the game plan. Um, And and they're going to need a similar type of event here, but more I, I see it on the ground. I see them getting back to basics here. I see them controlling the clock. I see them controlling the flow. I see Daryl Henderson having a big day again, uh, at least finding the end zone, if not having a big day. Um, I see Malcolm Brown getting in the mix. Cam Akers has earned more time. We could see him being the PPR back uh, on this offense, which adds that other dynamic. I, I like the the Rams team a lot. I like how their defense is playing with uh, Aaron Donald, Floyd, and Ramsey. I think they have a great trio of stars that that carry this team at every level. I don't know. I'm I'm a huge Rams supporter, and it's in a different way than how we know this team in the past. The team that went to the Super Bowl, they're not going to put up the 50 every week anymore. They're not going to put up the 45. It's going to be this methodical way of, of driving the field and finding the inadequacy in the defense. And right now, the 49ers have a ton of it they have a ton of it and and I just at this point I mean the 49ers are, are holding on to to not much uh, when it comes to any any form of competition playing in LA I I just don't see it. I think the 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 49ers will attempt to move the ball but injuries again have just derailed the season. Raheem Mostert. Mostert is likely to be back. I'm not sure if I saw him pegged to play this week, um, but he is he is right around the corner to return for the season. That will give the offense a, a, a lift, but it won't be near enough to, to displace the Rams. I think the Rams roll seven points is not too hard for me to believe. Game of the week, we have the Kansas City Chiefs going to Tampa Bay. Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. The Buccaneers, hey, eh? The Buccaneers. I, I, I was fearful of this. I mean, we talked about this so many times on this show. You cannot build dream teams in the NFL. I tweeted out when they signed Antonio Brown that I thought it was a bad move. I took a lot of heat. I took a lot of heat on Twitter. Everyone said, wow, how is this a bad move? You know, they're bringing an all-star type wide receiver to this club. How is this terrible? How does this make them bad? And again, I'll reiterate this point so many times over. When you have very similar skill set players who are of the elite nature and talent, you need to define the roles of these players. Otherwise, you are going to underachieve. Simple as that. OK, and Bruce Arians does not have control of this roster whatsoever. Tom Brady is struggling as well. He just he's been throwing interceptions in the losses. So basically, when the team isn't moving properly, everyone's going to blame Tom Brady and his interceptions. But you need to go back and look at the routes that are being run, the chemistry that it has not developed with these wide receivers. We're already week 12. Okay, I get it. We had no offseason because of covid. I get it. We had no training camp. Okay, but we're in week 12 already. At this point, you should have at least the fine uh, details of your system figured out to the point that you can at least compete and not be embarrassed with this much talent on this offense. And that's straight up. I don't care what anybody says at this point because they're going to say, oh, well, you know, they didn't have this. You have elite talent elite talent in mike evans chris godwin now antonio brown and then you have i get it okay again i keep saying that but you have a a tom brady who is um going in the wrong direction in terms of uh playing ability i understand it all he's still good enough and we've seen it he's good enough to lead the offense when they're moving they move very well when he's making mistakes I mean this is this is what happens and and you it's not just all on Tom Brady and this is the other thing that I said I thought if he would have went to Indianapolis I think the team would have been much better in Indianapolis because then you had the offensive line. He went for the flashy cars, man. He went for the the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis when he could have had BMWs and Mercedes. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. If he would have went to Indianapolis, I think we would have seen a very much more successful Tom Brady because he had the offensive line. Tampa Bay does not have a sound offensive line Tom Brady's going to struggle to find uh, more than two, three reads every time he drops back under pressure. This is just how it's going to go in Tampa Bay. And on top of it, okay, if you can't get your run game going, we saw how many mistakes? We saw Leonard Fournette dropping passes. We saw uh, Ronald Jones not really involved in the game plan. Okay? You can't feed everybody the ball. It's impossible. But nevertheless we'll go to we'll go to Kansas City and we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes, Mr. Cool. He comes back last week with a, what a minute 30 left in the contest and, and like everyone was saying and I'm of, I'm of the same opinion. You knew. You knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to win that game against the Raiders. As soon as they got the ball back with just over a minute in time, you knew it. He was going to drive the field the regardless on if the Raiders blew that coverage with Kelsey left them wide open in the end zone, they were going to score that touchdown. There was no question in my mind. I, 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 You could feel it. The sense was there. The confidence, and he goes in, scores a touchdown. He's like, "I'm out. I'm good." That's Patrick Mahomes. The storyline here is nice. It is the the future Hall of Famer, six time Super Bowl winner, Tom Brady taking on the new face of the uh, of the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. The storyline is great. I mean, it's gonna sell, gonna sell T shirts, and it's gonna give you views on the internet, but. All in, uh, all in all, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't support Tampa Bay in this contest whatsoever. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to expose them just like Jerry Goff did. I think they're going to throw the ball very well. They're going to run uh, decently. I mean, this Tampa Bay run defense is tops in the NFL, so they will struggle. But it's going to be Andy Reid. Andy Reid is light years ahead of where Bruce Arians is uh, in in the form of coaching, in the form of offensive production. So. I don't see that being a problem. I think Andy Reid is is just going to be running circles around what Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are going to do. I think Patrick Mahomes, this is the game that we see and I mean it's already happened, but it's we can we can put the final staple in it to say this league now belongs to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it is no longer Tom Brady's even though he gets still a lot of media attention, but this league is now going to belong to uh, Mahomes after this game is set and done three and a half points. I am taking it. No problem. The Chiefs win that game with ease. Chicago and Green Bay. They final the Sunday slate on Sunday Night Football, nine and a half points for the Green Bay Packers. I find this to be a little bit ludicrous and They're baiting. They're baiting. Vegas oddsmakers, they're baiting us, man. I cannot handle this. Nine and a half points against this defense? Really? Really? Okay, so I get it. Nick Foles, he hasn't been great, but now he's uh, injured and will not be playing in this contest, meaning Mitchell Trubisky makes his return to the starting lineup to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. This is a problem, right? Everyone believes it. Mitchell Trubisky, he was awful when he was in. in. Um, He was missing passes. He was inaccurate. His decision-making was poor. But, I mean, we've seen these types of stories before, have we not? We've seen the young quarterback take a rest on the bench, learn behind another quarterback, and then uplift his game. I mean, we see it more when that young quarterback moves to another team and, and finds his legs and his arm because the system and the change of scenery did it. But maybe we see it in this game with Mitchell Trubisky as well. He's been on the shelf enough to understand how the game operates through Nick Foles' eyes. Maybe we see improvements in this offense. They got weapons. They got Allen Robinson. They got uh, Daryl Mooney. They got Anthony Miller. They got wide receivers on this team. They can move the ball. I'm very curious. Nine and a half points, especially after what we've seen. I get it. I Granted, this is at home. This is in Green Bay. But from what we're seeing from this Green Bay offense, I mean... It's very difficult to take away Devontae Adams, but now when you're seeing them kind of take away the run game with Aaron Jones, and I don't understand why Coach Matt LaFleur is kind of babying Aaron Jones at this point. Maybe he's still playing hurt. Maybe they're not being honest about what his injury really is. Maybe they're saving him for the postseason run because they believe that they're going to win the division and they're already in. Maybe that is it, and I could see that. You want to save Aaron Jones for the most important time of the season, the postseason, this time trying to get to the Super Bowl, not losing in the NFC championship game. This could very well be. They're limiting Aaron Jones' touches and carries to keep him healthy for a long postseason run. I could see that. I kind of just talked myself into that. That's funny. But now, when we see this game, nine and a half points, the Bears are are in dire straits. They need to win this game, five and five. They're still alive. This is a big one. This defense I really like. They have holes. I just saw their star defensive tackle is not going to play in this game. That's a big loss. That could open up holes in the run game. But there is the problem with uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Do they trust him now after turning the ball over? They had that game in Indy, by the way. It sounds like I'm dogging the the Packers a lot, like they're not able to cover 10 points, which they definitely are. But, I mean... I just I, I think the way that they're kind of shaping up, they want to win these games, but they they don't want to over blow out these teams to excess, uh, any more injuries. I think that's kind of where they're going. I, like again, I'm talking myself into stuff, but I like doing that. It's a, it's a good rationalizing trait. I mean, you should try it when you're trying to rationalize something. Just talk it out. Talk it out to yourself. Yeah. Tough one. Tough one indeed. I think it's going to be a decent showing. I'm very interested to see if Mitchell. I'm rooting for Mitchell Trubisky. I think. I think that's even more to it. I'm rooting for this kid to actually come out and show that he isn't as bad as he as he showed uh, uh, at the beginning of the season. I want to see that. I want to just see something of a resurrection of sorts, him just to play better, not to turn the ball over. Even if they lose, You know, keep it close, but I don't like the points. Closing it down, Monday Night Football, we have the Seattle Seahawks taking travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Man oh man, what can we say about this Eagles club? I I'm trying. I'm trying to support them. I really am. I like a lot of the pieces they have. I'm a huge Miles Sanders backer, always have been since Penn State. I'm a huge supporter of his work. I like Travis Fulgham. Am I am I as gushing over Fulgham as as others? Maybe not. But I still like his game. I like his game a lot. He's still youthful. He showed it. He showed he's a game wrecker. He can do things. Jalen Rager. Uh, Rager. I'm. I'm. I love this kid. I think. I think he's another one of these extremely talented wide receivers that came out of this draft class that's eventually going to show out. But where the problem lies is how the plays are being called. Is what Carson Wentz is doing. I understand. The offensive line is completely in shambles. They lost Lane Johnson now for the rest of the season. Ankle injury. Uh, uh, Jason Peters looked absolutely horrible last week. He was being cooked everywhere. But, I mean, that's to be expected. He retired. He was done. The Eagles called him back to say, hey, look, come play for us. We have nobody left. Please. Please help us. It's been a problem. It's been a problem all season long. And, I mean, I know my guest uh, from Sojash, E.J., He's a big Philly backer, and he didn't he didn't necessarily agree with my point to say that Carson Wentz has lost ability in in athletic ability to the point that it's it's inhibiting his game in the pass game. I think it is. I truly do. I think it wasn't my my opinion. I I heard this uh, speak from another analyst, and I completely agree. I can't take credit for it, but I mean it was. Uh, it, it it shows. That before, when he was able to roll out, extend the play, that he was able to find his wide receivers on these uh, uh, makeshift uh, plays that are broken. And and now he's not doing that. You know, the, the pass rush is getting through, clearly, the offensive line problems again. They're not utilizing the ground game enough. The screen game is completely gone from this offense. I don't know. Even Zach Ertz, I mean, yes, him being out has been a massive problem. But you have a very capable talent in Dallas Goddard. You have a very capable talent there. So to me, you lose Zach Ertz, it's like having Zach Ertz with Goddard. I mean, so it's a very, very difficult situation for me to understand because, I mean, in this contest, Seattle is favored by five and a half points on the road. That says a lot. I mean, Seattle is is playing very well. Russell Wilson is, is in the MVP category. We get it. Seven and three Seahawks. The Eagles are three six and one. They lost their their uh, first place slot to the Washington football team with their win on Thanksgiving. It's tough to think what what are we going to expect? Are we going to see the Eagles actually come out and play? Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams leading this defense now in Seattle. They're gonna they're gonna roll. <sighs> Five and a half points, I think it's an easy bet for me. I can't support the Eagles whatsoever. I think Russell Wilson knows what he has to do. He's going to take care of business. He is a baller. His record is ridiculous on on primetime games, on Monday Night Football. He will win this game. DK Metcalf is going to eat up the defensive backs. If it's not going to be that, it's going to be Lockett. They're just going to – Darius Slay, is he's going to play. He's going to try. But, I mean, you can't keep up with DK Metcalf. You can't do it. I saw reports Chris Carson may suit up in this game, but they got Carlos Hyde. He ran very well last week. I wouldn't push uh, Chris Carson at this point. I would take the cautiously optimistic approach. I would rest Carson right now unless you absolutely need him, which you don't, and save that man for the postseason because you're going to need him. You got Carlos Hyde. You got DJ Dallas. These guys are more than serviceable to get the ball moving in the right direction. I think Russell Wilson, DK, and Lockett all have a big day, very big day. The only way I'm I'm terrified because see here's the thing. I I want to be able to support a start of of Travis Fulgham this week against the Seahawks' number one worst ranked defense in the past fantasy football wise. I want to say you can start Fulgham. You can start Rager. I want to say this. I just, I struggle. I struggle immensely to endorse this, and it's a very difficult sell because the last two weeks we've seen how poor the Eagles have played. Uh, Fulgham has done absolutely nothing. Miles Sanders is a, you got to play him. If you got Miles, you got to play him. But, I mean, outside of that, I, I really struggle to endorse playing the, the Eagles wide receivers at this point until we see it come to fruition. And this is, uh, again, come to fruition uh, like we've seen in the past. But, I mean, against a top uh, or a bottom feeder pass defense like the Seahawks, this should be a slam dunk to play Fulgham and Reger. But I'm, I'm still a little worried. If you have the option to play them over uh, pieces that are a little bit questionable, then, yes, I would say play them. But I'm, but I'm very curious. I think it's going to be a very good game um, for Seattle. I don't, I don't, I really don't see the Eagles competing in this one. And then after this contest, if they do lose again, I think the conversation will start to be had to benching of uh, Carson Wentz and potentially playing Hurts, the backup quarterback, to see if he can uh, reinvigorate this offense somehow and generate some points. So, so as we mentioned, it closes out on Tuesday. I forgot about the Tuesday game. Now, as we're discussing things, the the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have been uh, tentatively moved to Tuesday night football, again, simply because of COVID protocols. The spreads have been removed. I caught the spread, I believe, at five and a half points when it was on the line's for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I mean, how can you not take that spread? I mean, this this game is going to be a wash simply because Lamar Jackson has COVID. He will not play in this game. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, they will not play because of COVID reasons. How, I didn't see the entire list of players that are in COVID protocol, but it, I heard it's a heavy list. Pittsburgh is healthy. Pittsburgh doesn't have a COVID problem. Pittsburgh doesn't really have an injury problem. This would be a massive wash of a game. I think Pittsburgh will dominate. I think that they will absolutely destroy Baltimore, even though the defense is still very strong, very solid. I mean, they're going to have no offensive production uh, to speak of with RG3. I think uh, Pittsburgh's defense will come lights out. Very tough, very tough to support uh, anything coming from Baltimore this week simply because of circumstance. And we'll see if this game gets even played. So that is the problem as well. We may see a week 18 if this game does not get played. If we don't see the negative tests come back in the next uh, few days, I mean, this is Friday. So Saturday, Sunday, we need to see negative tests across the board for all Baltimore players. Otherwise, we could see this game in jeopardy on Tuesday and not be played. Then again, like I said at the beginning of the show, the Dallas Cowboys-Baltimore Ravens game would then get pushed from the uh, the Thursday to the following Monday. Um, so again, to save the Week 18, we know the NFL does not want to go into Week 18 mode because that would be uh, disastrous for playoff scheduling as well. Um, they're trying to avoid that at all cost while keeping the players healthy and safe. Um, it's 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 interesting. I mean, we're all hoping. I'm 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 putting up hope that we can see a lot of the negative tests come through, and we don't see this game canceled outright. Because I mean, again, for the fantasy community, let's talk about that selfishly from our point of view. Uh, we got lots of players on both teams. I mean, so it's 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 a tough sled, it's a tough road, and we'll see what happens. I mean, keep your eye on that. We should get news by. I believe Sunday morning, if not uh, or late Saturday, we'll see how that transpires. But I mean, the final word should be called on Monday. Whether or not these teams will be able to play on Tuesday, so hey, the week the week gets another game l- late, but then we'll we'll suffer for it on the Thursday no contest. So I mean, that is it. That is week twelve. It's it's interesting. It's flying, man. Fantasy playoffs are coming very soon. So get those wins. Get those lineups set up. Never give up, man. Never give up hope because the playoffs can always be had. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.